another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, arranger, and guitarist from New York City, Alexi Litt. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have Alexi Gloof. Long? Glick. Glick. But close. <laughs> With us. Well, Thanks for having me. Anytime, man. Can you please introduce yourself to the people? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Alexi Glick. I'm a professional guitar player based in New York uh, City. Uh, and I recently released my debut solo guitar album, Guitar and Me. Okay. I mean, you brought up the album already. Let's just get into that then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so first thing about it is it's a, mainly a solo album. Yeah, correct. I mean, it's completely a solo guitar album. However, I did do some looping. So, you know, yes. at certain points there are, you know, like multiple guitar tracks going. Why did you start with a solo album? Huh, that's a very good question. I mean, I have put out, now I have put out a lot of other work, just not under my own name, you know. Uh, so I thought kind of like, I mean, solo guitar has been something that always has really kind of spoke to me. Um, you know, on a deep level. And I thought maybe for like my first release under my own name, um, <clears throat> just doing something that intimate and kind of revealing could be really nice. Another part of it, which is more of a practical thing is I did, you know, record it, uh, in the height of the pandemic. So it was a very good time to make a solo guitar album. Um, and last but not least, I, um, I actually got kind of the idea. I mean, I, I always loved playing a lot of solo guitar, but from a uh, former uh, or mentor of mine that, you know, helped with management for, you know, like Herbie Hancock and the Pointer Sisters and uh, many others, this guy, uh, Bill Nuremberg. And he, um, you know, he actually initially was going to help with the management of this project, but then he actually got fairly sick uh, due to some complications with COVID. He's okay now, but he's still kind of recovering. But uh, yeah, I wish him the best. Uh, but he, you know, when I was, you know, just posting a bunch of kind of solo guitar videos during the pandemic, he was like, man, you could really make this kind of a big part of your career. And he could tell that I really loved it, which, you know, I do. And it also, uh, you know, as just a professional guitar player in New York that plays so many different styles of music, I thought it was a really good platform to kind of, you know, showcase a lot of those different styles. Of course, the overall genre is jazz, but within that, you know, the album really takes a lot of different turns, twists and turns, you know, as far as, you know, um, you know, you know, uh, featuring a lot of different styles, such as, you know, Americana, folk, blues, R&B, bossa nova, you know, and I've just always been drawn to a lot of that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess the overall sort of concept is sort of like almost like a genealogy of the guitar, you know, and as far as many different styles that have influenced the development of the instrument. I mean, I agree with that because you do have a whole bunch of different stuff, but I want to say that you hit every style that the instrument could touch, but what is your favorite ones? Oh, um, I mean, I guess, uh, <clears throat> I mean, first jazz, obviously. Uh, you know, that's kind of what, you know, where my roots kind of come from. But the one thing that kind of... Uh, you know, really ties all the different kinds of music that I play together. And in some ways, this is actually like even predates my love of jazz is sort of just the blues, you know, all this stuff is kind of rooted in blues, you know, whether it's, you know, 
you know, the more Americana stuff, the folky stuff, you know, the R&B soul stuff. Uh, you know, I also just have a love for like classic, like soul music, you know, like stuff like, you know, Otis Redding and, uh, you know, Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles. And, you know, so, uh, there is some of that there too. And that is also just a, you know, kind of style and genre and period that is just kind of very close to my heart. Okay. So what were the troubles you had when you were making this album? Since you did it during COVID times. Oh man. I mean, just being like completely neurotic, <laughs> you know, uh, I, as far as like, I remember I kept thinking there was something wrong with my amp and I, so I recorded the album myself, but I did get Dave Darlington who, for those of you guys don't know, he's one of the best jazz you know, engineers in the world, you know, he really is amazing to mix and master it. And I remember I kept like miking the amps and be like, do you hear that buzz? And he would just be like, no, don't worry about it. It's completely fine. So I just kept getting my amp set up over and over again because I'm just completely neurotic when it comes to that. Uh, so that was one thing, but that's just, you know, because that's my own fault. <laughs> you know, uh, As far as like, other just practical things. I mean, just, you know, since it was being recorded during the height of the pandemic, you know, I, you know, really did have to do the major or all the recording, you know, myself, uh, you know, and, uh, I, I have, I have done quite a bit of studio work, so I do have a decent setup, but I feel like I really needed to kind of improve on that. Dave also helped me really really guide me as far as the best way to record a solo guitar album. You know, we just, you know, finally uh, settled on, you know, just, you know, miking the amp direct with the Royer 121 and classic old 57, uh, you know, and just making sure, you know, all the placement was right. There was no phasing, all that stuff, you know. Uh, so it was kind of, um, you know, it was a new experience for me in that way. You know, I have done a lot of recording for other people, but as far as really recording my own album completely myself. Uh, so that was, I, you know, it was a challenge, but it was also fun, you know? Um, and well, then, sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask you, who else did you record for or with? Uh, so I've done tons of like uh, studio work for just like various like production, you know, companies and labels like, uh, you know, APM, EMI, uh, you know, Warner, I've, you know, done, recorded on some of the Lego movies. I've done, you know, recording with Berta, Roberta Flack, uh, you know, it's in the Seth Weaver big band, which is a really great big band in New York and, you know, at least pre-pandemic, you know, although hopefully we'll start things up again. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, ask about the Lego Jay Horde. Yeah. Just, just a lot of different, you know, stuff, uh, you know, like, um, uh, yeah, uh, I record with my dad too. He's a musician, uh, he's actually more of a folk, folk musician, uh, which is kind of where I get my love of, I guess, folk and Americana. Um, and yeah, I mean, many other people, there's like a list on my bio and website, but I always forget a bunch of different people. Tell me about yeah. Lego movie. <laughs> which <laughs> that one? was fun. Uh, it was, uh, the DC, you did the Batman the one? DC one. I, I don't, I don't even remember, honestly. It was like oh. one with the flash and yeah. Cause I got promise. I didn't even watch it. I should have, but I, you know, like I, I'm yeah. a big DC guy. Like, so you really yeah, got yeah. my attention on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but no, it was fun. It was like, just, I remember like, I just, uh, 
it was one of my buddies that I do a lot of, still do a lot of my buddy Bijan Olia, who I still do a lot of work with, uh, you know, in LA and he like had this project and I landed in LA and I thought we were going to do it the next day. I was completely exhausted. He just put all this hard freaking music in front of me. He's like, record this now as soon as I landed. So I was completely exhausted and delirious, but when I listened back, it sounded good. <laughs> you know. So, uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was definitely like a fun thing to be able to put on, you know, my resume. Oh, I've also uh, played a bunch with Jersey boys, you know, the, the uh, yeah. Broadway, opera, you know, had to dance one time I hit accidentally hit the bass player with my guitar neck, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Um, Four seasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, if I, have to play Oh What a Night one more time. I will kill somebody. No, I'm kidding. But. Oh, come on, really? That's one of the best. No, it's a great song. It's a great song. It's a great song. Until you have to play it five times. Uh, <laughs> no, show. I get yeah. you. When you repeat no, certain songs like that and a Broadway show where it's just the re- same thing, repetitive, in sync, no freedom, I could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, it was fun. You know, I was doing that pre pandemic. I don't know if I'm going to be doing that. Um, you know, uh, like now I might, I've heard that maybe I will, I, I don't know. We'll see, you know? Um, so, but yeah, so just kind of, you know, obviously I play a lot of different kinds of music, which is something that really kind of influenced the development of the album, you know, also played way too many weddings and corporate gigs, you know, all us New York musicians do, you know? Yeah. So movie soundtracks or Broadway, which one would you rather do if you had to do that for the rest of your life? Probably movie soundtracks. Yeah, because I also I've started to kind of get on and on the writing side for the first time during the pandemic, you know, doing some albums for like different, you know, production and, you know, publishing companies, you know, and I feel like I have a little bit more of a license to be creative with that, you know, now theater gigs are fun, you know, I definitely like, you know, they're, they're cool, especially when like, you know, the I mean, for a lot of these shows, the music is great, even though I was joking around with Jersey Boys, the music for that is really good. There's no doubt about it, you know. Uh, you know, it's just funny how many times you have to play Oh, What a Night during that show. But, um, no, the music's great. Um, and, uh, you know, I, and I think you can learn something from each gig, you know. I mean, from that gig, one thing that I learned is, you know, or other theater gigs I've done too, you know, is just like how to really focus in and get a specific sound, you know. Yeah, so the 60s, well, they started in the fifties, technically. So the sixties, seventies sound of the Four Seasons. Yeah, exactly. What was the hardest so he, part of that? Did you change your guitar? Did you change your amps? Uh, well, the hardest part was the kind of guitar we were using. We were using this like Variax guitar, where it's like, and also these, you know, a Helix digital pedal. So it's like, um, you know, if you would press the wrong, it was all done through in ears, and like, um, you know, if you press the wrong thing, you know, like upper, de- you know the wrong pickup, you were like up a minor third or down a half step. And like, so, you know, every once in a while, you know, something terribly wrong would happen, but no, usually not, you know, I mean, I also, you know, you know, I, I subbed quite a bit for that, you know, back in the day, but I also, you know, the same guy had been doing it since 2004. So, uh, you know, I, I would, you know, get called in when I was, you know, needed to play. Uh, and, uh, so especially if I hadn't played the show in a month, you know, or something like that, you know, then, yeah, you know, it would, uh, yeah, it would, it would be difficult to kind of remember, um, you know, certain things, but no, just as far as like, even just getting in, like, you know, that realizing that everything, all those little check is an actually an upstroke instead of a downstroke, just little nuances like that, you know, or, um, the sixties was you know, more downstroke based, right? If I'm correct. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on the kind of the kind of music. So the doo-wop stuff, like, 
Yeah. But yeah, obviously more of the rock stuff, you know, like she was just 17, you know, like, yeah, that's, you know, more kind of just like, you know, kind of playing, you know, uh, you know, yeah, just giving it a little bit more of a rock attack. In your early 30s, I'm correct, right? Yes. So you got into Broadway, you got into the movies already. So I think you're pretty much doing better than most musicians, at least in your age category, especially right now. (laughs) I appreciate that. I mean, I always, you know, want to kind of keep improving, you know, on I mean, things. But I understand. Yeah, yeah, everyone wants yeah. to be Prince, but yeah. one step yeah, at a time. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you're doing I'm trying that. to. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to sing now too, but I just, you know, for some reason, just never sounds. I understand. Like I can't dance for my <laughs> life, so I just stay behind on the set. You know. <laughs> yeah. Can't sing full soul, but yeah. So, <laughs> what else are you looking forward towards trying to do then, after the solo uh, album? Well, I really would like to play, a, honestly, like a lot of, especially these arrangements, I really kind of want to play them in a trio setting. So I, I, you know, um, in the near future, I'm going to be doing some trio recordings, um, you know, and also just, you know, looking to kind of play with also the solo project, you know, kind of, you know, combining, you know, a lot of the elements of the solo guitar stuff with, you know, a trio setting and, you know, kind of do some more touring, you know, now that things are finally, you know, opening up a bit more again, you know, obviously there's been a little bit of a bump as far as, you know, cases COVID wise, but hopefully things will settle down soon. And yeah, so just, you know, trying to really just kind of get back to, you know, playing and touring and doing, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I've been playing a little bit more, you know, recently, but still, I feel like I, you know, a lot of kind of the bigger, you know, gigs, you know, kind of haven't, you know, I haven't really been, um, you know, those kind of haven't really come back, you know, as, as much, but, um, you know, I think they're starting to, so really just want to do a lot of more playing out. It's, you know, kind of where I'm happiest, you know, Mm -hmm. just, you know, playing in front of people and making music with people. So, um, yeah, you know, just really want to do a lot more performing, um, you know, coming up and also just kind of want to keep uh, developing, um, you know, kind of, you know, my own brand, you know, like, you know, project under my own name, which, you know, probably the next album will, you know, be a trio album, but also going to continue a lot of, you know, the solo uh, guitar stuff too, just because it's something that is really kind of near and dear to me. And, and I assume um, bass drums, right? Not organ yeah, drums, yeah, right? correct, okay. correct. Yeah, although like I do love organ trio, but for a lot of these arrangements and stuff, it yeah would be better. Yeah, you're right with the bass and drums, just because you know you need a little bit more space and playing a bunch of chords and stuff, you know. <laughs> so okay, well, two things I want to ask you on this album: guitar and me and MTA blues. Where did those come from? The background on those two, those two tracks. Oh yeah, like, good. Yeah, yeah. Like okay, over so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So MTA blues was when I was, uh, oh man, I had this really terrible gig. Like when I just got out of school, I had to like go to Ossining to, I don't even care if they, they're listening now, which, you know, like I doubt this guy listens to podcasts because I don't know. He just doesn't seem like that type of human being, but it was like this music school up in Ossining that would just underpay their employees terribly. Every music school. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) unusually bad. Like I, I, was getting paid i think it was like 17 bucks an hour and like the lessons were like 30 minutes so it was like nine dollars you know eight dollars and fifty cents or whatever you know like per lesson and then i found out that he was actually like charging like eighty dollars or something like that per you know 
And so, you know, I just was returning and I was going, you know, taking the Metro North, you know, to Austin and yes. to teach. So it was terrible. And they wouldn't even cover the fare. I had to, you know, it's just the worst. Uh, but um, so I was just, you know, uh, on my way back on the MTA, you know, uh, Metro North, you know, and I wrote a blues, uh, you know, and then uh, originally I actually called it Travel in Blues. But then I realized that that name had been taken by a million other tunes. And then I also just, you know, have a love-hate relationship with the MTA in general. So I decided to <laughs> rename it you MTA Blues. Uh, you one know, of the cheapest train lines or transportation lines in the world, but it could be, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, I mean, you know, it's like it will get you where you need to go, but you won't enjoy it. <laughs> you know? Well said, well said. Uh and then uh, Guitar in Me is kind of just about, uh, it's like uh, kind of a love letter to my guitar. And it's, uh, you know, so your guitar? it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, no matter what, you know, even if I'm single for the rest of my life, I will have my guitar. And it's kind of, you know, this love letter. Are you one my, of those, man? Single yeah. for the rest of my life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You gave up already? New York has been, been that it's bad been for you? It's been kind of nice the last few years. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> You're telling me the guitar don't get you more girls than... I said, I played drums, percussion, right? I feel, no like, one I feel like the guitar, hear. it was like really good at getting, getting you know, like girls or, you know, I, or what, you know, whatever you're into for me is girls, you know, like... Uh, you know, up until I was about like 27 years old. And then like, it just kind of started to have the opposite effect. Oh, because you're a poor musician. You should have cashed out, man. <laughs> That's your fault. The opportunity was there. You didn't choose one. Trying to play know, the Bachelor game too long. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, man. It was like, it used to be like, oh, there are all these different options. I feel so wanted. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like you look around and everyone's gone. Or Ah, <laughs> uh, I got you on yeah. that, man. Yeah. <laughs> So, I gotta ask. So, you were you really thinking about your guitar when you wrote these? Yeah. Oh, you're the man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you go to undergrad, man? Uh, I went to the Peabody Conservatory, actually, in and Baltimore. Couldn't, couldn't find anyone uh, in Baltimore. Oh no, no, no! I mean, I had two. Two, like, you know, I mean, obviously different points. Two great girlfriends. Well, one of them was nicer than the other. But, you know, uh, yeah, you know, but I don't know. You know, it's, uh, you know, that they ended. And, uh, you know, although one of them I was seeing for a little while after. Actually, she just, I just saw she just actually uh, went on her bachelorette. This one, Jackie, she was uh, really nice. Really super great human being. And, like, yeah, wish her all the best. You know, the other sad. one was She went so on nice, a bachelorette but, yeah. party and she saw it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, go to like. That's why I don't go on Facebook anymore. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no Lorette, you know, it's good. Yeah, I, I feel for you, man. I'm sorry I brought yeah. that. Up. <laughs> <laughs> so you go to the Peabody School. <laughs> yeah, Peabody Conservatory. That was really kind of uh, the reason I kind of chose that school is because uh, at the time Paul Ballenbach was teaching there, and he, um, you know, to this day we still do, you know, uh, hang a lot, and you know. You know, we've done some duo playing and, uh, you know, hello. He's, you know, he's still a mentor to me, you know, to this very day. He's, you know, really been a great uh, source of inspiration and just, yeah, great dude overall. Okay. And where are you originally from? I'm originally from New York. I'm one of like the rare indigenous creatures. Uh, yeah. Uh, like Upper West Side. I literally live Word? like. 
Okay. Yeah, I literally live like five blocks from my dad and three miles from where my mom used to live before she moved to Philly. So, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, just kind of doomed to live here for the rest of my life. I mean, New York has all these problems, but it's all beautiful, man. Oh, it's great. I love it. I say that with love. It's There's no other place I'd rather live, like not even close. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, you know, but that's just the New Yorker in me. It's like, you know, have to like. I know. So many people I know kind of like left. Sarcastic of, joke. Yeah, they left and they came back. Yeah, because it's like you go to all these other places and it's just, you just don't have the same type of community. There are just so many interesting people around us all. You know, it's. <laughs> Great. That's yeah. one thing New York Character. has. Interesting people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so your parents took you wanting to major in music well? Yeah. I mean, my dad's a musician. Oh, um, he really was a folk musician. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who did he play for? Uh, so he was a, like more of a folky. He was part of like the village folk scene. He played with like the likes of like, you know, Pete Seeger and, you know, he did, um, you know, a bunch of like touring around the world. And then, you know, when I was born and my brother then, you know, the, after, uh, you know, he settled down and uh, was teaching music. So, And where yeah. was he teaching? Uh, he taught at two schools. He taught at Calhoun and then Road of Shalom. Okay. Nice, so, man. yeah. And he was all aboard of it. Your mother too? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My mom, I mean, my mom's like, you know, it's like a family of artists. She was like an actress and then she, and now she's an arts therapist, you know? So yeah. Artsy family. It's funny. My brother's actually a lawyer and he's like the only, he was like the one that was like, you know, uh, I mean, first of all, we're immensely proud of him, but you know, he was the one where you're like, you know, really you chose, you know, law, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, because we're just like opposite. his family of art. It's usually the opposite, <laughs> but no, no, he's doing, he's doing fantastic. You was, know? was your mom in anything that I would know? As an actress? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I gotta, you know, I really need to do a better job of asking her about what she was in in her career. She, yeah, she was in like a lot of like off-Broadway plays and like commercials and, you know, nothing like major, but yeah, she was, you know, she definitely uh, made a go of it for a while. Her college boyfriend was actually Kevin Klein. It's kind of a fun fact. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's a very good fact. Yeah. Hopefully you have contacts with him still. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I <laughs> All right. So coming from the academic world to your private world where you're doing Broadway, you're doing movies and everything, what's something that stood out to you? Was it like a shock? Was it something that Peabody prepared you for completely? Um. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I think in me, I Paul. First of all, Paul was great at Peabody. He really prepared me to play a lot of different styles of music. The actual institution of a conservatory, even though there were, listen, I look back at my time at Peabody very like you know in very positive ways. I I think it was great, you know, uh, but I don't think any conservatory does a good enough job of like preparing musicians for like real world success. So the thing that really kind of struck me when I got out initially was that I just really needed to, or every musician really needs to be able to be quite versatile to make a, you know, living as a musician, unless you're like, you know, a classical violin player, that's just going to be in the New York Philharmonic, you know, or if you just decide to do a Broadway gig for the rest of your life and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think, you know, most of us, you know, want to also, you know, even if that is a gig, which is a great gig, you know, we also want to do something creative. So, you know, I, I think 
you know, and for that gig, you need to be versatile too, you know. I was about to say. Uh, yeah, you know, you got to play, yeah. So it's just, you know, um, I think like if like, first of all, if I were, you know, to, you know, be the head of a conservatory, it definitely would fail immediately. But with that being said, I also would make sure there were, uh, you know, like, you know, classes where you really learned about like, you know, Final Cut and, you know, Premiere Pro and social media and how to like send a booking email and, you know, uh, how to play all these different styles, the rep that you need for, you know, literally like, you know, like a wedding gig or, you know, how to like use guitar pedals, you know, because that's going to be as a guitar player, most of the gigs you're going to play, you're going to need to get specific sounds. You know, you don't really learn any of that. Luckily for me, Paul did, you know, individually teach me some of that, but you know, I do find that, you know, in the conservatory setting, and this is across the board, it's nothing, That's I'm it. not singling out Peabody, but, was you know. Was Wolf there when you were there? Uh, he was in uh, Baltimore, but he wasn't, uh, you know, uh, but he wasn't at, at Peabody. Okay. But yeah, I saw him play quite a few times as an undergrad. Great. Amazing. Uh, and I actually have a friend, uh, like the other kind of guitar player at Peabody, Kevin Clark, that at the time was, you know, we were kind of the two that were playing out a bunch. Um and uh, he um, he actually uh, still plays with Warren, if I'm correct, you know, to this day. I've, at least, you know, as about a year or two ago, they were playing a bunch. So, yeah. That's something Warren said when he came on. He said that even him, while he's working there, we don't fully prepare them for what's coming out. So that's why I was yeah. asking if he was there and even suggested anything like that. When Interesting. No, yeah. So he was kind of like about, I think it was like five, about five years ago, they kind of had this new you know, makeover. I think Sean Jones took over the program. And uh, before it was Gary Thomas was, you know, uh, the director. And then Sean Jones took over. Uh, and there was this kind of just like shakeup where they kind of completely changed the department from this like thing that was really focused on modern music to, I guess, more of a thing that was kind of focused on kind of like, you know, hard bop and, you know, whatever, or, you know, uh, which, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not saying one way is the right way, you know, and obviously, you know, both guys are immensely qualified to lead the program. Um, you know, I mean, frankly, during my time, I do feel like, you know, there were times also that like, you know, there were like, you know, a bunch of people there that didn't, you know, wouldn't sound great at the time playing on a blues and, you know, they're trying to play, teach them to play things in 13, eight. And I didn't, you know, don't know if, you know, like as now, now as a professional yeah. musician, it's like, that's obviously not helpful, but at the time we're like, Oh, this is cool. You know, but it's like, yeah, but how many pop yeah. songs are in 13, eight or 11, tens or anything yeah, like I that? I know. <laughs> and I remember the, for the jazz orchestra, there was one time we played this for the entire semester. We played this thing called workers union, which there were no, there was like the hardest rhythms, but there were just no notes. And you would just like play like rhythms like duck, duck, and just like thinking about how much of a waste of time that was for the fat for the amount of money that most people were like paying to go to that school, you know, it's like you know, that's a, I mean, another thing I don't know, like about this conservatory. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hold back on that. You know, it's like you know, it's you know that it's you know, I mean, again, there were really good things about that school, but there were some things that yeah were a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> Does anybody call them out? You know, at the time, I think, you know, when you're a 19 year old kid and you're like studying with like a bunch of musicians that you've always heard of and like idolized, it's really hard to. So I, not really, you know, I mean, I think finally, like when I was a senior, there were, you know, a few things, you know, that I would say and suggest, you know, like, 
you know, and you know, if I were to go back there now, obviously I would, you know, yeah, but you have real and they were to ask, but yeah. yeah, and also it's a completely different program, so maybe they're doing things completely right now. I I don't know, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, it seems like the faculty is really slamming, uh, you know, but yeah, at the time there, I think for me, the best part of it was definitely Paul and this insane ear training teacher that I had by the name of Clinton Adams. He was really, really an eccentric guy, but, you know, I, I learned a lot from him. I mean, when I was an undergrad, I could clearly remember saying to a professor I had, and he's known, so I could have tried to drop his yeah, name yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah. And I'm like... Nobody goes to big band concerts anymore. Why is there so much emphasis on the big band here? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I love jazz orchestras and, you know, it's, it's you know, definitely been like, you know, there was one in particular that I, you know, Seth's orchestra that I would play a lot with that is great. And like, I love that. But yes, they're like, that shouldn't be like the thing, like the ensemble. Like it should be, if you want to do it, you should have the option to do it. They definitely should have a big band, but it shouldn't be like, you know, the only specific thing. Like, you know, you're like 90% of your gigs or more than that, probably like 98% of your gigs are going to be in other ensembles, you know? And so it shouldn't be the specific thing you're focusing on. Like even how you comp, you know, or play chords, you know, for those yeah you know so it's like you know uh it's a completely different way in a big band on a guitar than you know you know in like you know an ensemble you know especially like you know a lot of the stuff you're doing this freddie green thing which is like you're playing you know four on the floor every beat you know and it's like whereas you know and, you know, not to say that exclusively that's how you want to comp because in like certain, you know, obviously more like modern big bands and, you know, like, you know, uh, you'll, you'll comp differently. But it's like, you know, if you're just focusing on that, you're not going to necessarily know how to comp or accompany instrumentalists, you know, to your best ability for 98% of your gigs, <laughs> you know. So it's, yeah, you know. Like, even if you're a backup guitarist in a rock group, like, you're the rhythm yeah. of the guitarist. You're not Compton like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, I mean, I think it should, it's important. And especially, like, I personally have a love for big band music. So, I really, I would have opted to play in a big band during college. But it shouldn't be the specific focus. I, You know, it's, yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Well, what would you tell someone coming out of university right now? Oh man, just say yes to every gig uh, possible, unless it's really terrible. But, you know, other than that, uh, you know, because you never know where your, you know, opportunities and connections are going to come from. Like, I feel like so many of like the, you know, better gigs I've, you know, gotten have come from like the oddest sources or like gigs that I played where there have been like three people in the audience, you know. Uh, so you really never know. And just, you know, also, whether there are three people in the audience or a thousand people in the audience, you know, always give it a hundred percent because you never know who's listening. I'm laughing because I know so many people who wouldn't do certain gigs out of school. Yeah. And you know that too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And, you know, I mean, actually, I learned this from this, um, this great Broadway guitar player, Kevin, uh, uh, Kevin Kuhn, who, uh, he, um, uh, is a guitar player for, uh, like, you know, for Lion King and, you know, Les Miserables and, uh, you know, a bunch of different, I mean, like one of the most legendary 
And he just said, he said, frankly, and here's like, you know, a guy who like, you know, can have any gig he wants. And he's just saying, say yes to everything, you know? I don't have much Broadway pit experience, so I can't really add much on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So what is something you re- you noticed recently with the music scene? Um, hmm, that's a good question because it's like, you know, I feel like up and through the pandemic, I was so like out every night, you know, I've, you know, I've been, I've been fairly careful. I mean, I've still been playing a bunch, but I haven't, you know, gone to like a bunch of jam sessions or a bunch of, you know, friends gigs, you know, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, honestly. So, uh, one thing I am noticing that, you know, cause I still am in touch with obviously, you know, hundreds of musicians and, you know, talk all the time and collaborate, even if it's, you know, you know, over zoom and, you know, recording sessions and stuff like that. A lot of them are in person too, of course, you know, I'm not like, you know, not leaving my house or anything, but just, you know, still being, you know, a little bit cautious from time to time, you know? Uh, and, uh, one thing I have noticed, everybody is getting way better at like their home recording setup. That is one thing. This is like really forced kind of musicians, uh, you know, to really work on. So I think there's also a lot of potential for collaboration in that way. And, you know, just as far as, you know, kind of a more sort of globalized approach to, you know, collaborating, like, you know, I mean, I, I, frequently work with people, you know, in LA and also in Melbourne, you know, it's like, you know, uh, where I think before the pandemic, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, so I think that's one thing I've noticed. Uh, it'd be interesting because I feel like, you know, in the last couple months, I've started to finally get out a bunch more. Uh, and so I'm really interested, you know, and I think most people have too. uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to see where the music scene is going to go from here as far as the live music scene, but I feel like it's kind of a whole new world. You know, a I lot think of people it's done for the most part. You do. It's just sad. I know. And I have a yeah. jazz podcast. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. I'm yeah, still I waiting for like... the jazz standard to open back up. They said it was going to reemerge. I know. I, I don't know, think it's coming back. Cleopatra's needle. It's gone. I don't yeah, think it's ever coming back. I used to play at Cleo's a lot, actually, because, well, it's right in my Yeah, it's right near you, I yeah, guess. You but... know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the food was atrocious. It was the worst food I've ever had in New York. It was like, how do you have a restaurant in New York and have it be this bad? But, (laughs) (laughs) and then the jam sessions, they made me order something still. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me soda. (laughs) It was like, this falafel is about to break my teeth. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, I, I really hope that now that things are kind of opening up and, you know, you know, as things get better, that really kind of the scene really comes back, you know, but I, 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 I don't know. It's I kind of to be, you know, no, if you gave me $5 million, even if it's going to be a mil, a music based venue, would I really want to risk that on a jazz venue? I mean, if you're crazy enough, <laughs> not trying to be negative. I mean, it's interesting. Cause I did this, uh, you know, uh, just like duo, a couple duo videos with Peter Bernstein. And, you know, I was, I Just actually, Peter Bernstein, I know. yeah, yeah. He's Nothing great, impressive. Amazing, Nothing yeah. impressive. Peter. No, but he, uh, <laughs> yeah. And he like, you know, I was actually kind of like, you know, playing your role. I was kind of interviewing him, you know, and he was like, and he, he was like, yeah, the thing about jazz, you know, it's like, I, he was saying it was actually surprising how 
few clubs have closed, you know, even though, you know, obviously there have been a few major closings that he's like, the thing about it is like in each city, there's like one nut who's just like, you know, not making any money from it, but it's just like gonna, you know, open have, it and have it regardless. Venue, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but there are enough of those people that the scene will continue. And no, that I give you that. Gave me, gave me hope. And like, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you you know, see that like, a lot in the comic scene. You see a lot of yeah. them when they actually make it, they open one in a random location and they make sure they have big headliners come. So it keeps them traveling, keeps them busy, keeps the road going. Yeah. Yeah. So no, totally. Hopefully we find some multimillionaire billionaire that's just like, I always wanted a jazz club. Yeah, totally. And I feel like there are, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I feel like a lot of those people already kind of donate to like Jazz Lincoln Center and, you know. Uh, but that's just what, dude, I don't know how much money that place needs and I love it. Yeah, I know. It's true. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, um, I have noticed it's been like, you know, I mean, now that I'm finally starting to kind of book gigs again, you know, like that it definitely... I mean, part of it is also just like, you know, there's like a whole new guard and there are different people booking clubs. I mean, I still have, a you know, quite a few people that I can reach out to that, you know, were booking before that, you know, I can, you know, play here or there. But there's a lot less places to play that. Well, I can be like, oh, I want to have a gig, you know, I'll email mm-hmm. so-and-so, you know. So, um, you know, I mean, part of that is I think just like, you know, as things kind of reemerge and reopen, you know, more people will meet each other and hopefully, you know, kind of create new, awesome, creative things, you know, um, in different, you know, you know, series and projects and shows, you know, but I think that's kind of in the process of happening right now. I, I agree with you. I don't think like, um, you know, everything, I don't think it's like kind of, uh, you know, the scene has completely like emerged again yet. You know, it's kind of in reconstruction mode, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you were to, you have the money, you open yeah. a jazz club, what suggestions would you make? Uh, oh God, this is really, I've actually thought about this. I I mean, first of all, have backline because that is such a minor expense and I don't understand. It, you, it will make musicians want to play there so much more you know, like I would way rather play a hundred dollar gig where I there's a guitar amp there rather than you know yes. play you know have a decent even a hundred fifty dollar gig where there isn't a guitar amp and we have to take a cab both ways. You know, uh, a drum set there. Yeah, <laughs> like so that simple. would be that would be the first thing. You know, uh, it doesn't make any sense why they don't. I mean, you know, also, huh? That's a really good question. I I, I would say just you know try to create kind of a community around it you know i think most venues or shows or bands that i see that kind of get successful have sort of a community around them that kind of supports it you know okay that's fair well i'm not going to beat up on you on that one i was just curious (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but where do you think jazz will be in 10 years oh that's a good question i mean you know on the one hand you know yeah, I mean, you know, as far as like local, the local scene and stuff like that, you know, we're still kind of rebuilding. But on the other hand, it is really exciting that like a lot of like jazz, like jazz musicians and like even just like top 40s music 
is being heavily influenced by jazz and jazz musicians are kind of crossing over. So I see the lines being like, okay, I got to let's cross it over. So like John Batiste, Silk Sonic, you know, like Silk Lady Gaga, R and B, Lady Gaga. No, Silk, Silk. So- I'm telling you, the influence, the influence there. Like I've literally just had to do like a Silk Sonic, like uh, you know, like no. album for like production music. Educate there's me. So go. much of that. Go, there's go, so go. much of that harmony, you know, in there. That's music know, theory. It, I come on, man. I, <laughs> I mean, I know what you're saying as far as like, yeah, obviously there's not a lot of improvisation, but. No, not even improvisation. I take it more as like a Motown sound, early souls area, like Isaac Brothers. So you have Bruno doing that. You have Anderson Park doing that. And then you have background singers also. And the background singers could have been the musicians back then. So I wouldn't still- Yeah, but, 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 what, but what I'm saying is like a lot of people that create that music really need to have this understanding of jazz harmony because that's really where that is coming from as far as the chordal structure and stuff like that. You know, it, they're really, you know, there's like, you know, all these kind of like, you know, uh, you know, like flat nine chords and, you know, like uh, just like progressions that are like, you know, honestly, frankly, a little hipper than even a lot of the kind of, you know, sort of like. I would say Brothers it's a stuff. basic pop song where, you know, it's a yeah. one, two to five, yeah. two to four, yeah. two to, yeah, or anything like that. But I wouldn't say adding a you know a flat nine up there is going to be the big difference of. You- no, I, I, I mean, listen, I'm not saying it's jazz, but I it is influenced okay, by, for, I, okay. you know, it, it is a lot more, inf- and also a lot of, it is providing work for a lot of jazz musicians because, you know, you really need guys that have some jazz training to play that kind of music, you know, uh, you know, whereas like kind of in the past, like, you know, not really. I mean, a lot of those guys also obviously come from kind of like, you know, like gospel backgrounds too, you know, and like, you know, especially like a lot of the guitar playing is kind of, you know, but, um, you know, I am encouraged, you know, by the fact that like, you know, a lot more kind of like jazz musicians or people that are influenced by jazz of kind of like, you know, having some more kind of commercial success. Okay. But besides that, and I do give you that, you do need to have a higher skill set to play a lot of that stuff. But even when I look at the top 10 billboard tracks right now, I'm sorry, I don't see it. No. I don't. <laughs> and we're not even going to talk about like trap or drill rap or anything like that. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. like Jojo Cat has some great chord progressions. He has a great team behind her. Uh, but Little Nas X, I'm sorry, that's not really. No, heavy. no, no, no. Yeah, it's not. No, no, no arguments there. But like, again, just like even, you know, at the Grammy, actually I, I attended the Grammys for the first time this year and like, you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, Actually, uh, okay. <laughs> that like one, you know, like was really heavily influenced by jazz. And I knew a lot of people that were also playing in the bands and they all kind of came from this jazz background, you know. Okay. And so that was kind of exciting, you know. Uh, but yes, obviously Little Nas X, you know, is not jazz uh- and neither is, uh, you know, like... Um, you know, Olivia Rodrigo, or, you know, like, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, they sold more albums than I could ever dream of, but yeah, and we're not going to pick on the rap category, we're not going to pick on the country category because you really need to know how to play to do that stuff, but yeah, we're gonna stick with Silk Sonic, okay? So, what do you talk about? Which song in there, like, Leave the Door Open? So, that has some really killing harmony. 
you know, also like, um, you know, I mean, 777, you know, it's definitely like, you know, that's kind of more of this like classic kind of like funk, you know, thing. But like, you know, just like the rhythms and everything is so syncopated, you know, I mean, it's guess it's more kind of classic funk. But again, what did that come, you know, classic funk come out okay. of it's, you know, I give you came that. out of jazz, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, or, um, you know. What fly as me too is like uh, put on a smile. Also has really sophisticated harmony. You know, like but like uh, Soul Train, not Soul Train. Uh, what's it called? Train, Love Train, and then you have like Smoking Out My Window. That's like mid seventies Philly sound, in my opinion. Oh, definitely, without so, a doubt. But I, but with that being said, like you know, again, the harmony is a little bit more sophisticated than a lot of that stuff. And I'm not saying it's better or worse but it is a little bit more influenced by jazz harmony than that stuff was, even though that stuff also is kind of coming out of jazz and blues too, obviously. Okay. So since, you know, you're a superstar attending the Grammys and everything. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was all the way up in the boonies. I feel you on that. And I looked at yeah. the prices when they sent yeah. the invite. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> what is your dream album? What would you do? You had the budget. Oh man, that's such a good question because I just have so many different types of music and albums I want to put out. Um, you know, I mean, I guess I would divide it. Can I say two albums? Okay. Two albums. Go. Two. Okay. Thanks. Uh, so one, you know, I would honestly love to do like, um, you know, an album almost like, you know, you know, kind of that, you know, snarky puppy, like, you know, family, you know, dinner album, um, like, you know, where it's like, um, you know, like with, you know, band Snack Adderley, where we just feature all these amazing different singers, you know, just kind of like, and just get so many different amazing, you know, and, you know, just collaborators, you know, I, I would love to do something like that. Also, you know, just, you know, as a jazz, you know, I would love to also at some point put out, you know, a jazz album that, you know, just like, you know, has a lot of, you know, mostly originals and has a lot of, you know, my favorite, um, yeah, just, you know, uh, straight ahead jazz artists on it, you know, some straight ahead, but also some kind of, I really like that intersection kind of that, like, again, I put a lot of it on my album, you know, uh, on the solo guitar album. Uh, but you know, also that intersection kind of like between sort of like Americana folk and jazz, like that Julian Lodge or John Schofield are exploring, you know. So also I probably would, at least where my head's at right now, kind of explore that, you know, and kind of explore kind of what some new standards could be too. But of course, yeah, of course, play a few kind of like just, you know, classic feel-good swingers too, yeah. Okay. And would it be you – Total guitar? Like, or would you have a backup guitarist also? What would you have? Oh, man. I probably would have, uh, I probably would have just like kind of classic quartet, like guitar, uh, keys, bass, drums. And then also on a few tracks, I would have a, vo a vocalist. And on a few tracks, I would probably add some horns. Okay. And which vocalist comes to mind? <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, unlimited budget? Yes, anybody. The first one that comes to your head. Stevie Wonder. <laughs> really? Okay. Stevie Wonder it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Even though, no, I mean honestly, like if I could just play with anyone, you know, be Stevie Wonder, you know, like understood. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, as far as like you know, kind of more just like you know, traditional like jazz vocalists, you know, um, you know, I mean, I guess, uh, hmm, it's a good question. Um, I mean, Cecile McLaurin Savant, you know, obviously she's amazing. Uh, you know, Gretchen Parlato, um, you know, this girl that I worked some, you know, with Olivia Kendamo, even though I already work with her, I think she's really jazz wise, one of the best vocalists around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those would definitely be some that, you know, kind of come to mind right away. Uh, and I'm sure there are a bunch that I'm not thinking of too right now that I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd want him or her. Guitar you know, players. Like, okay. So any guitar player, who would it be? Uh, Pat Metheny, Peter Bernstein, Paul Ballenbeck. If I could have each of them on one track, that would be great. <laughs> I would choose Eric Clapton, so you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not bad. Yeah, yeah I know. He's you know, just okay. I, yeah, I heard I yeah, heard good things yeah. about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I could bring Jimi Hendrix back from the dead, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just wish I got the, they got the chance to record him and Miles because... That would have been I know, a very I interesting. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, especially with their like, you know, about the history with like their wives or like, you know, <laughs> like, be some interesting music made there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay, man. So, what is the best compliment you ever got? Oh man, I mean, there was a review I recently got of this album that I was almost like embarrassed it was like so flattering it was like here i'll read it off, off like so i think this is good i'm gonna uh hang on let me get it up uh sorry i gotta find the review uh let's see Here we go. Sorry for the. No, no, it's okay. Go. Here. So, yeah, no, it was just at the end of the review. It was like, uh, it says, left to his own talent, imagination, devices, Glick truly impresses his audience. He is a skilled performer in the classics of hard bop and jazz, but really excels in blues and Americana inspired pop rock. He rises above his predecessors, such as Wes Montgomery, John McLaughlin, Gene Burton Sidney, and paves. Uh, new roadways for guitar-based arrangements. First of all, I disagree. I don't rise above those guys, but Not still, a, it, says it a, was you know it an unbelievably you're, you're the greatest you know, guitarist player. Flattering, right now. flattering. <laughs> it was definitely an unbelievably flattering compliment. You know, so I really I like appreciated it. that. Yeah, you know, cool man. And give us a timeline. When's the next one going to come out? Oh man! So next, uh, next jazz album, I would say probably is going to come out next winter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I'm going to start recording it. You know. Um, you know, basically, you know, in about a month or two, uh, and then, you know, need time for like, you know, things. So yeah, I would say likely, likely next winter, you know, possibly even next spring, but likely next winter, I will have a, a single out for snack cat this summer. And also have like kind of a lo-fi album out actually in the next few months. 
Uh, but that's yeah, also for like production. Yeah. Okay. It's with a buddy, Adam Ahuya, and also uh, getting a bunch of cool MCs on it too. And yeah, it should, it should be cool. That's it's released kind of for production music, you know, with uh, APM, which is like under, you know, Sony's vast umbrella, you know, and, um, uh, but yeah, we're going to also be kind of like really pushing the artistic side because we think it's, you know, done pretty well. I mean, I'm sorry. Not everyone gets to deal with Sony. <laughs> no, so, but I, don't, I, <laughs> I, I don't deal with them directly. It's just, it's just, it's just like Sony. It's like it's released in KPM worldwide and APM in the U.S. and it's all under this giant Sony umbrella. So, I yeah. know it's just yeah. another day of work for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, can you, can you tell people how to reach you? Your social media, your website, where to find your album? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's um, at Alexi Glick Music for like all my social media, uh, or just like my regular Facebook. Honestly, I'm more active on that than my regular page. And that's just, you know, at Alexi Glick and that's A-L-E-K-S-I. It's a weird spelling. A-L-E-K-S-I G-L-I-C-K. Uh, and then, um, my, uh, website is just alexiglick.com. Uh, that's easy enough to remember. And, uh, you know, the guitar in me is just on every major streaming platform. Uh, and you can buy it obviously on iTunes and you know Amazon, Apple Music, all that stuff. Uh, if you want a physical copy, because not too many people, you know, uh, have CDs anymore. Obviously, you can reach out directly to me, and I, I'll ship you a ship you a, a physical CD. Okay, well, sir, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, man. It's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. It's been a blast. And everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good day. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.